Good morning, everyone. So today is uh, this wonderful feast, Corpus Christi. So Corpus in Latin means body, and Christi is of Christ. And so today is a day when the church celebrates the great gift of the body of Christ in the Eucharist. Right now, we as Catholics, right, we believe this. We believe that at Mass, the bread and the wine are transformed into the true flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And what I want to do today, essentially, brothers and sisters, the Eucharist is our whole life. It is the center of everything. It is the most sacred thing we possess. It's the center of our faith. And I can't get through all of that today. So we're going to do parts and hints at this. But my hope for you today is you'll walk away and you'll take the Eucharist more seriously, that your heart will be touched a little bit, and you'll say, you know, I want to I love Jesus more in the Eucharist. I want to prepare my heart for Mass more. I want to understand it deeper. I want to be more deeply united to Christ through the sacrament. Now, to start off, I won't ask you. I'm, I've kind of come to realize I'm a mean priest, um, so I'm trying to repent of that. But I wonder if you all have ever doubted if it's really the flesh of Jesus. And last night I asked the congregation at the 4.30, and four of us raised our hands who have doubted, and everyone else lied, as it usually goes. Um, This is going to sound odd, but I actually hope that you've doubted. Because if you've doubted if this is really the flesh of Jesus, that means you're engaged. It means you're wrestling because believing that this really is the flesh of Christ, that's a hard belief. It's not easy. And people who question it are people who are listening to what the church says and to what Jesus says. In John chapter 6, after Jesus teaches for a whole chapter on how the Eucharist really is his flesh and blood, most of his followers leave him and they stop following him. Most of them. This is a serious topic. And so today I I hope to kind of delve deep into that. What I'm going to hope we get to also is the covenant. We're going to talk about how today's readings point us towards understanding the Eucharist means you have to understand what the covenant is and what that does for us as Christians. Okay, so quick story. So when I was in junior high, this awesome thing happened. And I started to get this thought in the back of my head. Most of you have had it, most of you guys. And I had this thought in the back of my head that maybe, just maybe, girls did not have cooties. Right? You, ever, you, you guys been to that point? I know you have. And it's a weird feeling. You're like, oh my gosh, maybe girls actually don't have cooties. Maybe I actually like, would like to hang out with girls sometimes. And so I started kind of thinking about just that world. And so I did something. I arranged something very carefully. I was a shy kid, and at the end of, I can't remember if it was my seventh grade year or my eighth, but my parents and I uh, and my two brothers were going on a road trip at the end of the year. So it was right about this time of year. And we had this long road trip planned, and my parents were going to pick me up right from school, and we were going to go to the, right off on the road trip. 
But that meant I had to miss the last dance of the year. And so I slowly worked up the courage over weeks to kind of ask my parents if we could change our plans for our road trip so that I could go to this dance. And slowly but steadily, I was able to manipulate them to say yes. And they did, and they let me go to the dance. And it was awesome. It was this great junior high dance. You know, you do just what you do at junior high dances. I avoided the girls at all costs and just hung out in a circle with the guys on one side of the gym and went home. It was awesome. (laughs) That's what you do when you're in junior high. But here's my point tonight. I knew that road trip was coming. I knew it was going to happen, but I made sure that I was going to get to that dance first. And when things are important to us, we'll do that sometimes. We will go out of our way to plan things, uh, to make sure that we get the thing that we desire. And today what I want to do is I want to show you that the Eucharist, the flesh of Jesus at Mass, was something very dear to the heart of Christ. And that he planned it very intentionally. So I don't know if you heard this in our gospel today, but in our gospel, you know, as we listen to it, so oftentimes we don't pay close enough attention. And here we are in Mark chapter 14. And Jesus, don't you find it odd? The the, the apostles ask him, they say, Master, Where do you want to celebrate the Passover? We know we have to celebrate the Passover. Where do you want to do it? And isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't just tell them where? He doesn't do that. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, you know, we're celebrating it uh, on, you know, 4th Street. You know, he doesn't say we're celebrating it on Camel Street. A friend of mine always says that nerdy Bible joke. Um, He doesn't tell them where the Last Supper is going to be. And in fact, he doesn't even tell them who the host of the meal will be. He's very secretive. He says this today. He said to two of his disciples, and he said to them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Jesus kept the Last Supper location a secret. He was secretive about it. He had arranged ahead of time for a man to meet them in the city who would lead them to a secret location for the Last Supper. And it it goes even further. Jesus doesn't even tell them the name of that person. He just says, look for a man carrying a jar of water. And then he gives the two disciples a kind of code word so that 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 man carrying that jar of water will know that these two disciples are actually from Jesus. He says, you will say to him, where is, and I'm going to get this wrong, he says, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I am to eat the Passover with my disciples? Jesus was very careful about this. Why? At the beginning of chapter 14, just before this, chapter 14 of Mark's gospel starts this way. It says, it was two days before the Passover, right? 
Jesus is going to celebrate the Passover on Holy Thursday. So on Tuesday of that same week, and think about that drama. The Lord comes to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to die for our sins, rise from the dead. There's a huge festival going on at Passover. It's overwhelmingly crowded. Two days before the Passover, the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. And here's my point, brothers and sisters. Jesus could have died at any time. Christians so oftentimes were good about talking about how the Lord loved us so much that he died for our sins and he went to the cross. And that is the high point. But he could have done that at any time. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus' first public sermon ever, the crowd gets so angry with him, they try to throw him off of a cliff in Nazareth. That always makes me feel good when I give a bad sermon. I'm like, at least, the, at least my congregation didn't try to kill me today. He could have died then. In Matthew 1, Herod tries to kill him, right? He kills all of the children in Bethlehem in Matthew 1. Jesus has numerous times throughout his ministry that he could have died for our sins. But here, on the very eve of the cross, Jesus is meticulously careful that he will die at the moment he chooses and that he will have the Last Supper on his terms. Brothers and sisters, Jesus very intentionally made sure, and this is why he keeps it secret. He keeps it secret because they're trying to kill him, and he knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that. John chapter 6 tells us that Jesus knew from the beginning who it was that would betray him. And the Lord knows that he's going to be betrayed and he knows he's going to the cross. And so he arranges the Last Supper in secret so that Judas will not know where the Last Supper is because our Savior wanted to make sure that he gave us the Eucharist before he died. You see how powerful is this? In John chapter 13, Jesus says to the apostles, he says, I have earnestly, right, with all of my heart, he says, I've earnestly desired to celebrate this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus could have died at any time. And, and brothers and sisters, here, here's the, the big thing I want you to see this morning is that Jesus died and he saved us from hell and eternal damnation. But he also saved us for something. He didn't want to just die to atone for our sins. He wanted to bring us into something. And that's what the Last Supper is about. The Last Supper, and today, this morning, right, you know, when, when I teach RCIA, I always tell people who are in RCIA, if you understand the Eucharist, you will never leave the Catholic Church. 
if you actually understand what the Eucharist is, if you understand the meaning in Scripture and in the tradition and what Jesus did in the Eucharist, you will never leave the Catholic Church. It is the most powerful thing on earth. It's the reason I'm a priest. It's the reason the church exists. But most of us don't know enough about it. If we knew what happens at this altar, right, a friend of mine used to say that, you know, so many of our evangelical Christian brothers and sisters, that they don't believe that it's really the flesh of Christ. But if it were, they would crawl on their hands and knees to receive it. And we get so used to it. The Mass is not something we just kind of do as Catholics. It's not just something that kind of is an obligation. The Mass is the greatest gift God has ever given the world. And if you get it, brothers and sisters, right, it's kind of like my mother's cooking. Right? I never knew my mother was like the best cook on earth until I went to college. And I was like, why, God? <laughs> Dorm food. <laughs> we take things for granted. And today is a wake-up call. The church gives us this beautiful feast because Jesus, in the Eucharist, he doesn't just give us a way to worship him. Jesus, in the Eucharist, gives us himself. He gives us his heart of hearts. And the key to understanding this today of what we're going to talk about is the word covenant. And that's where our readings push us today. So Jesus carefully arranged the Last Supper. He made sure it was going to happen, right? He didn't want to just save us out of sin. He wanted to save us for something. It's like the prodigal son, right? In Luke 15, when the prodigal son comes home, imagine if the father said, Yes, I forgive you, but you can't be a part of my family. You made your decision, you're on your own. Jesus did not die on the cross merely to do something like that. In the Eucharist, he brings us into his family. It's not just that our sins are forgiven, it's that we're made a part of one family that is the church. such amazing, such an amazing reality that God gives us. So the key brothers and sisters, today at the Last Supper, Jesus takes the cup and he says, this is the chalice in my blood. The blood of the covenant. That word is a big word and we don't talk about it enough as Catholics. The covenant. I mean to not neglect you guys so much. The covenant. The covenant is such a big word. The covenant's everything. St. Paul talks about the covenant over and over and over again. Our Bible is divided into two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the Testament is just a translation of the word covenant. What's a covenant? We have the Old Covenant. We have the New Covenant. Brothers and sisters, a covenant is what makes a family. And St. Paul talks about it over and over and over again in the New Testament. Jesus spoke about the new covenant one time in his entire life. Once. The covenant is the reason that he died on the cross, and Jesus only speaks about it once. 
and that's at the Last Supper. And that should be a sign to us of just how important this was. Jesus doesn't just die. He has to establish the new covenant in his blood before he will go to the cross. He didn't just die to save us from something. He died to save us for something. And the Eucharist is the symbol of all of that. In our first reading today, right, so Moses, we're in Exodus 24, and Moses, and this is one of those moments where you thank God that you live in the new covenant. Thank God for that. In the, in the old covenant, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses today, he slaughters a bull, he takes the blood, and he calls it the blood of the covenant. And that's why the church gave us that first reading today. Because Jesus uses the same phrase at the Last Supper. He takes the blood of the covenant, and what he does is he takes all this blood, and he sprinkles half of it on the altar, and then he sprinkles the other half on the people. Aren't you glad you live in the new covenant? We might try that next year on Corpus Christi. We're going to get a bowl in here, and we're going to get like one of those brushes, and it'll be awesome. Why does he do that? Moses does that, brothers and sisters, because what that does is it says God symbolizing the altar and the people now share the same blood. They become family. Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, and in the Eucharist, and every time you come to Mass, the Lord doesn't just want to save you to go to heaven. He doesn't just want you to obey his commandments. He wants to be your heart of hearts. He wants to live inside of you. He wants you to love him the way he loves you. When you love someone, you don't just say, I, I say this at weddings all the time, we don't just give people gifts that we really love. In a wedding, what a, a man says to a woman and vice versa is I don't just want to give you something, I want to give you me. All of me. I had a wedding on uh, Saturday, or it was Friday, right? And the, the vows are so beautiful. I take you to be my wife or my husband. I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love you and to honor you all the days of my life. That's what Jesus did at the Last Supper, is he loved you not just with something, not just with blessings, but with everything. His flesh and blood with us in the Mass is a sign to us that our, His love for us is not just something nice, it's not just the happy end to the story, it's the thing that gives meaning to our entire life. And if you understand that, brothers and sisters, if you really understood that gift and what happens on this altar, you would never again miss a Sunday Mass the rest of your life. Except for a very serious reason, you're sick, or there's something that really keeps you from being able to be here. If you understood that, you wouldn't say, oh, I've got this Sunday obligation, I have to go to Mass. You'd wake up on Sunday mornings and say, this is the day that gives meaning to my life. 
This is the moment I know I'm loved. And that Jesus gives me not just a gift, but he gives me himself. And he brings me into his covenant. There are so many more things, brothers and sisters. The early church believed this, by the way. Let me, let me read you one quote. All the early Christians believed that the Eucharist was the flesh of Christ. The church has taught this for 2,000 years. The Bible teaches it. It's all over the place. It's hard to believe. You have to surrender your heart. St. Cyprian says this. He says, the meaning of the sacred Pasch, which is another word for Passover, lies essentially in the fact laid down in the Exodus that the lamb slain as a type of Christ should be eaten in one single home, right? In the Passover meal, you had to eat the Passover lamb in one house. You couldn't have it in different places. It had to be one place. God says the word, in one house shall it be eaten. You shall not cast its, cast its flesh outside. The flesh of Christ and the Lord's sacred body cannot be cast outside. Nor have believers any other home but the one church. That was written in the year 250. You see, God doesn't want to just save us from something. But the people in this church this morning are the family of God. And when you receive the Eucharist, brothers and sisters, the person sitting next to you is not a stranger. The same blood runs through their veins as yours. That's what a covenant is. I want to leave you with one practical thing this morning. Do you want to get more out of Mass? I always do. I say Mass every day, and I never want to grow used to it. When I come to Mass, I want my heart to rip open. I want to know what's going on. I want to know, and I want to experience the fullness of love that comes from Christ. Don't you want to feel that way? Don't you want to experience Jesus deeper in the Eucharist? The key to that is that a covenant is not just something you do once. A covenant means I am yours and you are mine. Today in Exodus 24, when Moses makes the covenant with the people, and the people say, all the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Right? The covenant means that, that God's people, the way that God gives himself to us, we say, Jesus, everything. <laughs> if you want to be a real Christian, you, you got to stop saying parts of my life. You got to stop saying, Lord, I'll go on Sundays and I'll try to do a few things here and there better. That's great. Those are good steps. But at some point, if you're going to be a real Christian, if you want to come to mass and you want to taste the Eucharist and you want your heart to be lit on fire, at some point you have to say, Lord, here's everything. Not an hour on Sunday, an hour and a half at Lord's. I know I say that all the time because it's true. Not just an hour and a half, Jesus. Not just some of my sins. Not just, you know, I don't know what I believe. My everything.
In the Eucharist, you gave me all you are, your whole self. And Jesus, here am I, everything. That's what it means to be a Christian. So today, brothers and sisters, know the gift you receive. Give your heart to the Lord. Prepare your heart. When you receive the Eucharist, it is not a piece of bread. It is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And know today, when you receive, when you come up for communion, right, when you receive the flesh of Christ, by that flesh you were saved, and by that flesh you were brought into the new and eternal covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ.